bow for prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for another day you blessed us with. Thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. Thank you for the encouragement received already of looking at your word and looking at the truth that you have given us. Plus, Melody brings that truth this morning that our hearts can be open. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I do greet you in Jesus' name and welcome you to our service this morning. It's good to be here. We certainly have been blessed so far, at least I have. The uh, Sunday school lesson was especially interesting, I thought. Jesus spoke very plainly, frankly, to the scribes and Pharisees because in many ways they really were false teachers many times. This morning's message comes to me from a, a phrase that I read quite frequently. The glory of the Lord. Have you ever noticed that as you read, especially the, the um, I think it was mainly the journey to the wilderness that saw that quite a few times. I was just reading through the uh, books of the law recently and uh, came across that phrase time and time again and it sort of piqued my interest. What is the glory of the Lord? Many times scripture says the glory of the Lord appeared. What did it look like? What is the glory of the Lord? In their shedding, what was it? How did they know it was the glory of the Lord? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. And I'm going to read an account where that happened. And, and we'll see other ones as well. But I want to look at some of these. And um, how did it look? What happened? What did they see? And what were the what was the occasion that prompted that? Exodus 16 <clears throat> is the account where well they had just left Egypt soon after the Exodus, and they were well they were I don't know if they were in need or just in want, but they wanted something. Uh, Exodus 16, verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, where we sat by the flesh pots, or we did eat bread to the fill, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <clears throat> then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven to you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, and I will and may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass on the sixth day that they shall prepare for them that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, then shall ye know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. Then in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for he that heareth, for, for, 
For he heareth your murmurings against the Lord, and what are we that we murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be, when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which you murmur against him, and what are what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And that's as far as I'll read for that one. But you get the setting. They were hungry, they needed some groceries, and they were in a wilderness. How would that happen? Where would they come from? And then we have it right here. Now, here it says that the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. I don't know how that cloud looked different than other clouds. Turn with me to Exodus 24, just for a few more verses. Slightly different setting here. Exodus 24, verse 13. Uh, let me see if I can get the, the setting here. This was <clears throat> this is a, a, a prompting to obedience. And verse 13, And Moses rose up in his minister Joshua, and Moses went up to the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matter to do, let, let him come unto them. He was assigning the people to his assistance. And Moses, verse 15, And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. So we have a slightly different appearance here. And this is the beginning of the instructions that God gave to Moses for the tabernacle and the furnishings and all the clothes that they were wear for the priests and the, that whole. The next quite a few chapters has to do with that. But this is where the Lord appeared to the congregation as well as to Moses. And again, verse 15 calls it a cloud. Uh, but then it also says in 17 that it looked like it was a raging fire, a devouring fire. That's what the uh, children of Israel saw. So as, as, I, as I was reading through this, there's more and more cases or instances where we see this. The, the glory of the Lord in this case appeared... At the, at the deliverance of some very uh, important directions and instruction. I'm going to look at an account where the glory of the Lord came as judgment. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 16. Number 16 is not a very pretty scene as we see it here. We have... Uh, a leader here, well, a self-appointed leader, <clears throat> and we talked a little bit about that in our Sunday school. Leaders 
are better chosen by the people typically, whether it's church, whether it's a civic leader, whether it's whoever, a self-appointed leader is not often very well accepted or thought of. We have one right here, Korah. Number 16, I'm going to take time to read 35 verses, so go with me. There's a lot happening in this chapter. I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we'll come back and look at it closely. But pay special attention to Korah. He was a self-appointed leader. He had an an assignment, a job to do, that was given to him by God, him and his people. He wasn't happy with that. He wanted to go beyond that. He wanted something else. He wasn't happy with the calling that God had in his life, and instead appointed himself, or tried to, for a different position. Let's read number 16, verse 1. And Korah, the son of Ithar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, Dathan, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Pelath, sons of Reuben, took men. So we have like four men here, and you'll see some of them are mentioned a few times more than others. Verse 2, And they rose up before Moses, who was certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and to all the company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi, and Moses said unto Korah, Here, I pray ye, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto him. And he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee. And ye seek the priesthood also? For which cause both thou and all the company company are gathered together against the Lord, and what is Aaron, that ye murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that flowed from milk and honey, to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought us into the land that flowed from milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards, wilt thou put out our, the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Moses was very wroth and said unto the Lord, Remember not thou their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron, tomorrow. And take ye every man his censer, put incense in them, bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers, thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. 
And they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among his congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from, from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose up, went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation and said, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents, and their wives, and their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. For if I have not done them of mine own mind, if these men die, the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick down into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. Their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods, they, and all that appertained unto them, went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. And that's as far as I'll read for that. So we can see, you'll see there in verse 19, we have the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And you'll see, you, you see the judgment that came. But let's go back and take a look at some of these claims, especially Korah, their leader. It says that... Um, well, he was a man of influence. He was, uh, uh, he must have been very, uh, yeah, influential because he somehow enlisted the, the, the help of 250 others with him in this rebellion. And it wasn't just from his tribe. There was several from other tribes as well. So it's from the tribe of Reuben. And so um, they were called on to serve in the tabernacle. But... You remember there in verse uh, verse ten, Moses is is uh, accusing them of wanting to be a priest as well. They were not, not they were not content to serve where, had, where God had assigned them to, but they wanted to be a priest as well. And so we see that um, this here was a self appointed leader, gained a following, which is typical. We see that quite a bit. And um, they gain strength through their numbers. And then I notice, uh, verse 4, notice Moses' response. It says, he fell on his face. And a sign of, of, of uh, might we say, brokenness, humility, a sign of, of, of being no answers at the end of himself. Let's... See what God says. Moses responds by going to God. 
Notice he didn't debate, he didn't argue, he didn't have a big discussion with them about that. But he turned it to God, and in verse 6 and 7, we have Moses presenting this test before them. Now, I can't believe that they would have forgotten about the account in Leviticus 10 where we have Abihu and Nahab who were sons of the priest who offered strange incense and were dropped dead right then and there. Did they not know about that? Where did they, how could they forget so easily? But anyways, Moses puts this tense test before them and leaves it to God. God will sort this out. But I also want you to take a, a notice of a few other things that these Dathan and Abiram had against Moses, starting here in verse 12. Look at verse 13. He refers to Egypt as a land of milk and honey. Thou brought, it is, is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey. Are you serious? He called Egypt a land of milk and honey. Remember Exodus 1? Remember the scene that we have there where they got a new king who no longer knew Joseph, so they didn't have inside connections, so to speak. And it says that they had taskmasters over them who made their life very difficult, put huge burdens on them, increased their workload, took away their raw materials to do that, threw their baby boys in the river, on and on and on. That's the land of milk and honey? And then he goes on to accuse him of not living up to his promise. More, verse 14, Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land of milk and honey and given us fields and houses and all that. So you can see that this is really getting absurd. This is really getting out of hand. And so, um, again, Moses remembers the appointment that he had tomorrow and he puts this test before them. Bring your um, censers and put incense in them, verse 17, and meet us here tomorrow. <clears throat> and so that's what they did. That's what they did. They, verse 18, next couple of verses, they took this and appeared before the Lord, and um, as Moses had instructed them, and God. Again, Moses intercedes for the people. God was wanting to just wipe out the whole congregation. Verses 20 and 21, 22. Moses again intercedes for the people. A, true, a sign of a true leader, someone who uh, intercedes for the people on their behalf. God honors his request and spares them. But nevertheless, this test will proceed. And they are uh, brought out and asked to present these, this fire, this censer before them, before the Lord. And then in verse 19, it says, they, they gathered all the congregation against them to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And so, here we have it. Moses senses... I can imagine Moses would have been very sensitive to God's desire, God's leading, and uh, 
senses uh, the, 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 the need of separating these men from the rest, which is exactly what they did. And I, I can imagine the tense moments that happened right at that time. Um, and and, and I, I'm not sure there in verse 29 and 30 when Moses presented that ultimatum to them, if, 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 God, if these men die a normal death, then God didn't call me. Then I'm a nobody. And I don't know what prompted him to say that the earth is going to swallow him, but that's what he did. Can you imagine, like, where did that come from? But if, Verse 30, but if the Lord make a new thing, certainly it is new, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them, then understand that God has spoken through me. And that's exactly what happened. Soon as he had, so it, verse 31, as soon as he's done speaking, that's exactly what happened. The earth swallowed, they just, I don't know what happened, but split apart and these men fell down in. Everyone that was with them. And then the rest, remember the 250 followers that he had? Verse 35. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed them. So we see the glory of the Lord as judgment in this case. Now, also, of course, it's beyond that too, but um, there was the validation of leaders, the validation of the leader that God had called, and the annihilation of those self-appointed um, prideful leaders, I guess I'd call them, or wannabe leaders. They were wanting to elevate themselves to another position. And I think, I think, certainly God views that very seriously, and um, God judged them very harshly for that. The glory of the Lord as, well, mainly as judgment, that's the scene that we have here, but also see the glory of the Lord as validating, validating a, uh, one of God's, or God's leaders. It would have been Moses and Aaron. And Moses reminded them several times that, that um, this is not against us. This is not against Aaron and I, but this is against God that you are rebelling. The glory of the Lord as judgment and also a validating a leader. Let's turn to Second Chronicles 5. We're going to see the glory of the Lord appear in the dedication of Solomon's temple. Now this was... Um, this was, of course, uh, David's son. David dreamed of building a temple to God, wanted to, felt guilty that he himself is living in a house of cedar, and God is dwelling in a tent, as he put it. That's, David didn't quite think that was fair, <clears throat> and took steps to, to build God a house, and God warned him in a dream through Samuel that, or the, was it Samuel? Through a prophet that you wouldn't build me a house, but your son would. And so um, David certainly had laid up some, some materials and some provisions for that and uh, accepted God's uh, call on Solomon's life. But we have the completion of the temple right here, Second Chronicles 5, where the, the ark is brought into the temple 
And that must have sort of been the, the uh, final step or the completion of it because we see God blessing them with that. I'm not going to read this whole chapter <clears throat> 5, but Second Chronicles 5, verse 14. Uh, let me back up to verse 13. It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that, that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. So it sounds like the glory of the Lord kind of pushed the people aside. You know, it, it seemed like in many cases, the, as we had seen earlier, the, the glory of the, of the Lord often appeared as a cloud, or sometimes as fire. And um, I'm not going to turn to that, but if you remember the, the, the account where uh, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, and they were gathered in the tabernacle and they were having this discussion. God was speaking to them and the glory of the Lord descended on the temple and after it left, they saw that Miriam was leprous. So I kind of gathered, I picture that as a really dense fog. If you're in a really dense fog sometimes, uh, and it must have been dense if they couldn't even see from one person to the next, but that's kind of the way I picture it sometimes. Um, a, a really dense fog that you just can't see anything. And uh, in this case, it would have seemed like it, it drove the, the priests out and uh, to where the, 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 the glory of the Lord or the presence of God was so real that they couldn't even be there. And um, in many cases, that's from what I gather, that's, that's what we often see. We have... The, uh, the glory of the Lord um, forcing humans aside. But moving on into this little scene of the, the uh, dedication of the temple, Solomon had that dedication prayer, um, first Chron or Second Chronicles 6, and, and then, then at the end of, of chapter 6, uh, beginning of 7, 8 ends, and we again have that appear. Uh, let's read Second Chronicles 7. Verses 1 to 3. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings of the, consumed the offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves, bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Again, it's Solomon's uh, prayer ending. And then this, I'm not going to get into the rest of this chapter, but we have uh, some of the uh, uh, results of that. And we have in chapter 14 that wonderful promise that God had made to Solomon about his people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. What a, what a wonderful promise. And certainly that is true for us as well today. Thinking about that, what's God's promise to us 
regarding the glory of the Lord. We have that as well. There's, a, there's just a verse in, in Isaiah 58 I want to read uh, to that effect. Isaiah 58, verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as a morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. And then you all, of course, know the account in Luke 2, where the glory of the Lord appeared. And I don't know what your picture is of that. We see all kinds of artists' renditions of that. In Luke 2, where we have the, the uh, birth announcement by the angels. Uh, verse 8 of Luke 2, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, in this scene, it seemed like it's just a bright light. Um, doesn't say anything about a cloud. Doesn't make any mention of fire. Looks like it's a, a bright light. And of course, on a dark night, if you're outside and the sky all of a sudden lights up, you wouldn't notice. And I like this picture. They were in a dark time. They were in a very spiritually dark time. There was no revelation that had been given from God. They were waiting for this event. Had been for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And hadn't heard from any prophet. God hadn't spoken to any prophet. Given any new revelations for 400 years. And here we have at the end of this dark time. This bright light. I love that scene. When you think of the timing. And not a cloud and not fire. But light. After that long period of darkness. <clears throat> Turn with me to Revelation 21, thinking of a future scene, something that we can that we can look forward to. We again have that mentioned as well. Um, now this this whole chapter is the uh, description of the New Jerusalem <clears throat> and what that will all include. Uh, I'm going to be reading in Revelation 21, start in verse 9. There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit of a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, and having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, Clear as crystal. And then toward the end of the chapter, <clears throat> verses 22 to the, to the end, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb, and the Lamb is light thereof. The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of theirs shall bring their glory and honor to it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring glory and honor of the nations unto it. And there shall no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, 
but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So what about us today? Have you ever seen the glory of the Lord? Have you ever experienced it? Have you ever witnessed it? What did it look like? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, um, kind of imagining, but I think in many cases we have a, an advantage over the children of Israel. God would speak to them, meet them in the tabernacle, appear as a cloud or a fire, but we have the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the glory of the Lord revealed? And the Holy Spirit indwells all of us. Not just during a crisis, not just when there's a leader that needs to be validated, not just for judgment, but all the time. I think we certainly do have <clears throat> the glory of the Lord in a real sense. The glory of the Lord was also in, in especially in, in Israel's days, uh, the, the um, Old Testament days, was often revealed when God had a new law to institute, uh, a new practice, whatever was instituted. But I think we have it right here, the written word. God no longer needs to reveal to us new laws and truths. It's right here. I think we also have the glory of the Lord in our hands right here. In many cases, <clears throat> it might seem a little bit not as dramatic, if you will. But the written word of God also will judge. The written word of God will also validate a leader. It will also uh, bring a blessing to those who, who are seeking it. So... The glory of the Lord, as I mentioned, seemed to be coming up time and time and again in my reading. And uh, as I was preparing for this, meditating, I, I got to think, oh, well, yeah, we have that as well. We certainly have the glory of the Lord among us today as well in, in several, several ways. And in, in many ways, I would say it's even better, superior to the way they had it in the Israel's journey through the wilderness, even though they had, they had the tabernacle where God would meet them. But today, I think it's in many cases uh, far superior and more, um, yeah, more there for us to meet the need of the hour. Let's stand for prayer, and uh, then I'll ask uh, Ken to lead us in a closing song. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your blessings on us. Thank you, especially, Lord, for the way you have worked in the, the, the lives of your people through the ages. You met Israel at the tabernacle, and that was the occasion where you would speak to them. There was times of judgment. There were certainly times of blessing and many other reasons for meeting your people and showing your glory in various ways. Thank you, too, especially, Father, that you have shown us your glory, revealed your glory to us in a different way, more of a personal way. You have given us your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit is a guide, is a comforter. Your Holy Spirit convicts. 
and judge and draws men to you. And we thank you so much for that. So we pray your continued blessing as we go, as we leave from here. May we part with your blessing on our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.